That's it. That was your cue. What was my cue? That right there. You're supposed to say, Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. That's right. Then you say, Myths from Around the World. Myths from Around the World. Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast. A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared. Everything will be all right, trust me. This is a continuation from the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022. Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theater. <laughs> I am your host, Ronimo Stewart. <laughs> I've grabbed the microphone and I'm in control. This is great. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, yes, please come sit down, sit down, around the fire, grab a blanket. You know the drill. This is the story. This is the Christmas Carol. This is part seven. <laughs> We're about to share it with you. Now, just a tiny recap of what happened before. Scrooge revisited some of his childhood. What a miserable childhood he had. <laughs> Could you imagine being sent to boarding school? Well, I can, because that's what happened to me. And look how I turned out. Oh, anyway, part seven. Here you go. My time grows short observed the spirit. Quick! This was not addressed to Scrooge or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect, for again Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of his life. His face had not the harsh, rigid lines of later years, but it had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye, which showed the passion that had taken root and where the shadow of a growing tree would fall. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in mourning dress, in whose eyes there were tears which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of Christmas past. It matters little, she said softly. To you, very little. Another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? he rejoined. A golden one. This is the even-handed dealing of the world, he said. There is nothing on which is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much, she answered gently. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of being beyond the chance of its sordid reproach. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you. Have I not? What then? he retorted. Even if I had grown so much wiser, what then? Am I not changed towards you? She shook her head. Am I? Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so, until, in good season, we could improve our worldly fortune by our patient industry. You were changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy, he said impatiently. 
Your own feeling tells you that you are not what you are, she returned. I am. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it and can release you. Have I ever sought a release? In words, no, never. In what then? In a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in another atmosphere of life, another hope as its great end, in everything that's made my love any worth of value in your sight. If this had never been between us, said the girl, looking mildly but with the steadiness upon him, tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now? Ah, no! He seemed to yield to the justice of this supposition in spite of himself, but he said with a struggle, you think not? I would gladly think of it otherwise, if I could, she answered. Heaven knows, when I have learned a truth like this, I know how strong and irresistible it must be. But if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can I even believe that you would choose a dowerless girl? You, who, in your very confidence with her, weigh everything by gain, or choosing her, if for one moment you were false enough to your one guiding principle to do so, do I not know that your repents and regret would surely follow? I do, and I release you with a full heart for the love of him you once were. He was about to speak, but with her head turned from him she resumed. You may... The memory of what has passed half makes me hope you will have pain in this, a very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him, and they parted. Spare it, said Scrooge. Show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me? One shadow more, exclaimed the ghost. No more, cried Scrooge. No more. I don't wish to see it. Show me no more. But the relentless ghost pinioned him in both his arms and forced him to observe what happened next. They were in another scene in place, a room not very large or handsome, but full of comfort. Near to the winter fire sat a beautiful young girl, so like the last that Scrooge believed it was the same, until he saw her, now a comely matron, sitting opposite her daughter. The noise in this room was perfectly tumultuous, for there were more children there than Scrooge in his agitated state of mind could count, and, unlike the celebrated herd in the poem, there were not forty children conducting themselves like one, but every child was conducting itself like forty. The consequences were uproarious beyond belief, but no one seemed to care. On the contrary, the mother and daughter laughed heartily and enjoyed it very much, and the latter, soon beginning to mingle in the sports, got pillaged by young brigands both ruthlessly. What would I have not given to be one of them? Though I never could have been so rude, no, no, I wouldn't for the wealth of all the world have crushed that braided hair and torn it down, and for the precious little shoe I wouldn't have plucked it off. God bless my soul to save my life. As to measuring her waist and sport as they did, bold young brood, I couldn't have done it. I should have expected my arm to have grown round it for a punishment and never come straight again. 
And yet I should have dearly liked it, I own, to have touched her lips, to have questioned her, that she might have opened them, to have looked upon the lashes of her downcast eyes and never raised a blush, to let loose waves of hair, an inch of which would have been a keepsake beyond price. In short, I should have liked, I do confess, to have had the lightest license of a child and yet to have been a man enough to know its value. But now a knocking at the door was heard, and such a rush immediately ensued that she, with laughing face and plundered dress, was borne towards it in the centre of a flushed and boisterous group, just in time to greet the father, who came home attended by a man laden with Christmas toys and presents. Then the shouting and the struggling, and the onslaught that was made on the defenceless porter, the scaling him with the chairs for ladders, to dive into his pockets, despoil him of brown paper parcels, hold on tight by his cravat, hug him round the neck, pummel his back, and kick his legs in irrepressible affection. The shouts of wonder and delight with which the development of every package was received, the terrible announcement that the baby had been taken in the act of putting a doll's frying pan into his mouth, and was more than suspected of having swallowed a fictitious turkey glued on a wooden platter, the immense relief of finding this a false alarm, the joy and gratitude and ecstasy. They are all indescribable alike. It's enough that, by degrees, the children and their emotions got out of the parlour, and, by one stair at a time, up to the top of the house, where they went to bed and so subsided. And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever, when the master of the house, having his daughter leaning fondly on him, sat down with her and her mother at his own fireside, and when he thought that such a creature, quite as graceful and as full of promise, might have called him father, and been a springtime in the haggard winter of his life, his sight grew very dim indeed. Bell, said the husband, turning to his wife with a smile. I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon. Who was it? Guess. How can I, Tut? I don't know, she added in the same breath, laughing as he laughed. Mr. Scrooge? Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window, and it was not shut up, and he had a candle inside. I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he sat alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit! said Scrooge in a broken voice. Remove me from this place! I told you these were shadows of the things that have been, said the ghost. That they are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me! Scrooge exclaimed. I cannot bear it! He turned upon the ghost, and seeing that it looked upon him with a face in which some strange way there were fragments of all the faces it had shown him wrestled within it. Leave me! Take me back! Hunt me no longer! In the struggle, if it can be called a struggle, in which the ghost, with no visible resistance on its own part, was undisturbed by any effort of its adversary, Scrooge observed that its light was burning high and bright, and dimly connected that with its influence over him. He seized the extinguisher cap, and by a sudden action pressed it down upon its head. The spirit dropped beneath it, so that the extinguisher covered its whole form. But, though Scrooge pressed it down with all his force, he could not hide the light, which streamed from under it with an unbroken flood upon the ground. He was conscious of being exhausted, and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, and further, of being in his own bedroom. He gave the cap a parting squeeze, in which his hand relaxed, and had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. <coughs> Thank you.
You have been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of the Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlast.org, or you can email us at j at jglangjans.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 unported license. Thanks for joining us.